Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to this week's AV Podcast Movies Edition. Coming up, we have the latest DVD and HD news. We review March of the Penguins on HD DVD and Hellboy on Blu-ray. And in this week's roundtable we discuss the video nasties from the early 80s. From AV Play, it's this week's DVD and HD news and reviews. And as always, it's now time for the DVD and high-definition news. And kicking things off, as always, it's Chris. So, Chris, what have we got this week? Hello there. Yes, well, it's old, but it's really cool news. It's Spider-Man 2.1 on UK DVD, standard DVD that is, which is due out on the 23rd of April, uh, priced at £12.99. Uh, apparently it's got an extra, what is it, I think it's uh, eight minutes of, of footage back in there. I'm not too sure what the footage really is, but it's never been seen before. Um, again, we have a 2.35 to 1 um, anamorphic widescreen transfer. Dolby Ditch 5.1, no DTS on it. A sneak peek at Spider-Man 3 with introductions by producers Grant Curtis and Avi Arad. Um, Spidey Sense trivia track, which uh, neither here nor there. We have a commentary by producer Laura Ziskin and two-time Oscar-winning screenwriter Alvin Sargent. That doesn't float me both either, to be honest. Um, another featurette called Award Recognition. An Inside Spider-Man 2.1 featurette. And the villains of Spider-Man 3 featurette, which is probably five minutes of really, really exciting-looking you know, cartoon bits and design featurettes. Um, a multi-angle evolution, the score, whatever that's going to be. Visual effects breakdowns. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm, I'm in it. I'll definitely be bagging that one. Just a shame it's not going to be on Blu-ray. It's a double dip. It's yeah. the only reason I brought that out. Double dip before the theatrical version. And they're going to add eight minutes, which won't be action scenes, won't be CGI or anything like that. It's probably just scene extensions. And they're going to get your hard end for doing very little work. Do we know that, though? Do we know there's no actual action in it? I'm just saying that's the way it always goes with these things, isn't uh, I it? I mean, that's being cynical. Yeah, that's, that's possibly what's going to happen, but... I'm still going to be there on the first day. I'll bag that one. Okay, then, so moving on. And uh, Simon, what have you got? Okay, I've got um, some, uh, again, say, it's sticking with standard DVDs. A um, couple to be released coming up in uh, May time. First one on the 28th of May. Uh, Warner Home Video have got uh, Tom and Jerry, Volume 1, coming out on the 28th of May, 12.99. It's 12 brand new animated shorts. So it's the first time that they've done any new episodes in 30 years. Well, I mean, they haven't done them, obviously, but they have been animated to do them um, in the last 30 years so uh, that's quite exciting news for the uh, for the kids of us all of course I'm one of them um, another one coming out on the 7th of May um, from Icon Home Entertainment is Romanzo Criminale uh, that's 1999 it's a modern gangster film based on the based on the novel by um Oh, I can't pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> what's, his, what's his name? <laughs> what is that? I, I read that and I thought, hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not okay. doing that one. <laughs> so, uh, Simon, I believe that's based on a book, so who wrote the book? <laughs> 
Okay, so a couple of interesting releases there, Simon. And uh, moving on, we have Seth. Seth, what have we got coming up this week? Well, everyone's gone for standard DVD releases. Um, we have Deja Vu on Blu-ray for the UK coming out on the 14th of May this year. Now, there's a shed load of uh, special features on this, from things such as surveillance window and the ferry explosion, through to the obligatory deleted scenes, extended scenes, and a movie showcase. Um, that's a Denzel Washington movie, and uh, it's a Tony Scott movie directed, I believe. So, yeah, yeah, quite looking forward to that. Denzel's usually pretty bankable. Yeah, the the last film they did together was um, the Man one where he played Man, the, on, Man, on, Man Fire. on Fire. Played the bodyguard. Very good film. So, um, and moving on and staying with uh, HD, uh, we go to HD DVD and two re-releases on the format. This time as non-combo versions, we have Army of Darkness and Unleashed. Both discs will be 15 gigabytes single layers with uh, Army of Darkness and a 185 to 1080p transfer and Dolby Digital Plus. And Unleashed comes with a 235 to 1 widescreen 1080p transfer. And again, it comes with a Dolby Digital Plus soundtrack and there are no extras listed for either disc. And moving on and finishing up, it's time for Kaz. Kaz, what do you have? Warner Home Video have announced the UK Region 2 DVD release of the best of the new Scooby-Doo movies, Volume 1. Comes out 2nd of April 2007, priced at uh, quite a $12.99. It follows the Scooby-Doo Where Are You TV series and it features four of the movies, Ghastly Ghoul Town, uh, the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair with its allusions to Batman and Robin, and uh, the Fricket Fracas. How the hell else are you supposed to say that? And guess who's not coming to dinner? If you're a fan of Scooby-Doo, then I'm sure you'll be happy to pick this up as of tomorrow. And that wraps up our DVD and high-definition news for this week. For the biggest and best DVD and HD news and reviews, visit avplay.com. And moving on to this week's DVD and HD reviews... And first up is Kaz Harlow with the HD DVD version of March of the Penguins. So, Kaz, tell us a little bit about this disc. Well, I had the opportunity of checking out this uh, Penguin documentary. I'm I'm a big fan of National Geographic stuff and things like Blue Planets. It's really amazing um, they can bring to our screens these days. Uh, how amazing reality is to um, effects-driven features and uh, all the fiction that we come up with. The real stuff that's out there in nature is quite amazing to behold. Um, March of the Penguins follows quite literally the march of hundreds of penguins as they have to make this journey that is designed to enable them to bring up their young and uh, and they have to take care of their young, and they have to feed their young, and they have to survive blizzards. And it's quite an astonishing little tale. Um, I personally, I'm not sure whether it, it warrants movie status. I think it would have worked quite well as a, a BBC Two or a Channel Four documentary. But I can see how they've gone sort of all out and uh, tried to bump it up to movie status, especially with the likes of Morgan Freeman, who is a quality narrator. They've taken a different direction, of course, to other foreign language versions of this movie, where I I believe that they've actually given the penguins, some of the penguins, uh, voices of their own. In this one, we just get the whole affair narrated by Morgan Freeman. Um, And it works quite well. It's just... I'm not entirely sold on it being uh, a quality movie affair. In terms of DVD looks, uh, we're talking HD spectacular nature here. 
it's, it's presented in 1080p high definition um, in its original 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio and it looks tremendous. It, it, I think there are some shots obviously where they use different uh, film stocks, different film apparatus to capture underwater shots, night shots. They, they are going to have some grain, they are not going to look perfect but overall you, you can tell this is a, a superb affair. It's as if you're actually there, um, not quite as cold. The audio is a Dolby Digital Plus 5.1 track which does all of the right tricks. You don't really need them to go full out on true HD for this um, and it, it sounds fantastic. There's not a great deal to talk of in the way of effects other than obviously the penguin related noises, a few splashes and there's a, a, a pleasant enough and um, perhaps occasionally melancholy theme that kicks in occasionally in the way of score. There are some extra features. We get a documentary that's nearly as long as the feature itself, as well as the Looney Tunes cartoon 8-Ball Bunny, which is Bugs Bunny, of course, uh, the trailer, and uh, National Geographic's Chrysacan, which explores the Emperor Penguins, of which this feature is all about. Overall, score-wise, I would give the movie a 6. Presentation, I'd give an 8 to the video. Uh, seven to the audio and a seven to the extras. For the overall package, I would give it a seven. So, Kaz, this is the US release, is that correct? Yes. Thanks very much, Kaz. And moving on, it's now time for Chris. And Chris, what have you been looking at this week? Well, I've been looking at uh, what is a bit of a scoop for the UK Blu-ray market. It's Hellboy, Guillermo del Toro's awesome adaptation of Mike Minola's fantastic comic book creation. I say it's a scoop for UK because it's come out way before the um, the US Blu-ray counterpart, um, which I think is at least in June. I think I could be wrong on that. But anyway, it's um, a fantastic movie. I've long admired Mike Minolda's um, comic book creation, and Del Toro's movies have always been great right from the way I go. I've loved all this stuff. And Hellboy was a, a, a film that probably took a lot of people by surprise because, again, this is just before the sort of unorthodox comic book adaptions started to come out like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and um, Constantine so Hellboy again people probably went into it thinking you know what is this all about who is this great big seven foot tall demon who's a good guy what's going on well fantastic Hellboy is the name of uh, this satanic seven foot tall muscle bound anti-hero with a right arm which is totally built out of stone who is a good guy. He works for us. He fights other demons. It can be viewed as hokey, but it's actually a very, very quirky sort of uh, superhero spin. Del Toro's movie ditches a fair bit of the the real oddness and bizarreness of uh, of Mike Minola's comic books, which are really sort of... They're a very sort of specialised supernatural field. And in what it does, it takes in a very sort of Lovecraftian um, approach to it. We have Rasputin, who is uh, reincarnated and wants to unlock these strange portals to other dimensions to bring forth the old gods, as I say, very Lovecraftian. Um, the old gods called the... Oh, I can't remember how you pronounce the name, like, but the Obju Jihad or something like that, who are floating out in the outer reaches of dimensional space, wanting to reclaim the Earth. But that doesn't matter. We don't need any of that stuff. What we've got is Ron Perlman, Del Toro's stalwart regular, um, a fantastic actor. Always seems to be encased in latex or masks. Um, he's not the prettiest boy on earth, but then again, he suits this role perfectly. With a, such a, a laconic take on it, 
this guy, uh, okay, the film ditches the the spindly little legs and the cloven hooves that the original comic book adaption had, and instead of that, you've got leather jeans and great big biker boots. But Ron Perlman, fantastic. What he brings to the role is uh, a bit of pathos and the tragedy. You know, he, he's he's always on the he's an outsider. Obviously, look at him. You know, how could he be? You know, how could he fit in with civilization and society? But he's got a heart. He's got feelings. He's also got a fledgling love life as well with another um, sort of freak, Liz Sherman, played by the goth queen Selma Blair. And they have the, a Bureau of uh, Paranormal Research and Defense organization with which these two sort of belong. You also have the uh, fantastic fishman, Abe Sapien, uh, played by Doug Jones, spindly Doug Jones in a fantastic suit. Um, and these guys will, will go off and will fight Rasputin and any other demons that seem to be breaking through into the earth. Cue lots of set pieces of uh, frenetic action uh, with with unleashed devil dogs from hell. Um, which have, uh, When I first saw the movie, I have to say that I thought the uh, Samael, as he's called, the Hound of Resurrection, who just keeps... Every time he gets killed, he will reproduce himself. And there'll be another version. And, you know, in the end, there'll be a huge army of these things. Now, it never looked that good as an effect. What you had was guys in, in suits, rubber suits, with CG augmentation as well. But although it, the, the design for these things looked kind of creepy, in reality, they just looked really clunky. They looked like guys in rubber suits jumping around. It didn't look good. And what made it worse was they had, a, I think it's called a prehensile middle digit on their right you know, paw, which would extend to some ridiculous lengths. Great if you're trying to flip the bear to someone on the moon, but it looks kind of ridiculous when they're flinging it around as a weapon. It just looks very rubbery. The good news is, folks, that on Blu-ray, I don't know what they've done, I don't know what magic they've worked, but all of a sudden, Samael and his minions look absolutely brilliant. They seem to they seem to fit the image perfectly. They don't look stupid anymore. And this is part and parcel of a, what is a, a fantastic transfer. I've got to say, for Blu-ray, and particularly for, for the UK getting it first, this is one hell of a scoop, because the picture here is a dream. The colour on it is... I've, I've seen nothing like it, to be honest. And you have to appreciate that Hellboy is a very lurid sort of movie anyway. So whether the colours have been touched up again for the um, the Blu-ray release, which is possibly so, it doesn't detract at all. When you, when you see Hellboy up close, you can see into the features of his, you know, his demonic skin, particularly his stone right hand, the cracks and the crevices inside that. You know, the th the 3D imagery here, the depth of field is quite revelatory. The only thing I can possibly draw reference to would be uh, the Brothers Grimm on Blu-ray, which had an absolutely fantastically, you know, full-on three-dimensional picture with detail upon detail going back deeper into the screen and absolutely spellbindingly vivid colours. Well, yeah, Hellboy has that in spades, but it also has a few detrimental effects as well. If, if you sit and watch the film as closely as I did uh, for the purpose of review, uh, there are some elements where the image does appear slightly softer. Oh, but this is a 1.85 image, 1.85 to 1, so it literally fills the screen and it looks, for the most part, fantastic. But as I say, some areas can seem slightly softer than others. You can lose a bit of definition, only if you're studying for it. There's one or two scenes which, on the original source print, seem to look a bit washed out as well. And again, that's replicated here, only not to the same you know, level, because obviously everything, ha everything here has been enhanced quite a bit. Uh, but overall, it is a tremendous, tremendous picture. The other good news, it's got a PCM 5.1 uncompressed track as well, which, whilst not the best that I've heard, 
this one seems to lack a little bit of the bass, surprisingly, which um, I, I, I was sort of hoping for a bit more oomph to the soundtrack. But what there is is very active. You, the, the surrounds are engaged nearly all the time. It's very atmospheric. You've got lots of seamless pans across the speakers, lots of activity, nice and wide open soundscape. Um, dialogue always comes through nice and crisp. Marco Beltrami's fantastic score is absolutely brilliant. It, it, it pounds around the, uh, the setup. And it is, it's a really good, open, naturalistic sound. As I say, the bass doesn't seem to have quite the amount of uh, aggression that I expected. Particularly the scenes set in the, the underground where you've got Hellboy chasing Samael in his various incarnations. He's being hit by trains, they're, they're smashing through walls. The impacts, although there's a lot of directionality to them, debris flying around, screams from onlookers, and that sort of stuff, it, it, that's engrossing, but it just didn't have the same amount of, um, you know, tasty bass that I expected but not to hark on too much about that because otherwise it, it is a, a very 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 good AV transfer altogether and the good news doesn't stop there because not only is this the, the full director's cut which adds a few more character building sequences uh, which which are quite nice they're not particularly spellbinding in their own right but they, they add to the texture of the movie as a whole and the characters um, and you have a Del Toro's typically candid enthusiastic fairly eager and informative commentary track which is well worth a listen you have deleted scenes and, option, and an optional commentary with Del Toro again um, they don't add a great deal again but they're nice to have plus you've, you've got well, the, the, the biggest bonus of all you've got Hellboy the Seeds of Creation documentary which runs for two and a half hours now this was always on the um, original release and indeed on the full director's cut when that came out on, on a, a three disc um, but what this disc does miss perhaps to its, uh, its detriment is the video commentary that had some of the stars on Selma Blair, Jeffrey Tambor and the guy whose name I can never remember, let me just have a look on the back of the box, uh, it's Rupert Evans yeah, uh, which was actually very funny uh, and I wish they kept this on for the release because a lot, a lot of in jokes were being done there as they're sitting watching the film they're playing jokes on Jeffrey Tambor which is, he doesn't even, he doesn't catch on a little bit, it's quite, it's quite good. Overall, this is a fantastic release, and I urge you to snap it up. If you're a fan of the movie, it's it's nigh on essential. I've now triple dipped on this one. I bought the original Region 1 2-disc, and then I bought the 3-disc one with the comic book as well, which actually has a lot more features on it than even this release. But the new picture, the new AV quality on this, and again, you've got the, the choicest, best extras there as well. This is nigh on essential. If you're a fan of Hellboy, you've got to snap it up now. And if you're not, well, you should be because you're missing out on a treat. Not only have you got the Hellboy movies, you've got another, well, another movies on the way, but you've got the animated series too. So it's nice to add to your little Hellboy collection. Overall, this would get a, a stonkingly good 9 out of 10 from me because it's a great, great movie. It's different, it's unorthodox, not to everyone's tastes, but it's very, very enjoyable. And it's more rewarding the more you watch it as well. So, yeah, a major thumbs up from me. And Chris, just to uh, clarify, that is the Region B UK release, yeah? Yeah, well, just to clarify, it, this can be played, This it's Region A, B and C, and it, it can be it can be played um, on the PlayStation 3 as well. There's no issues with that, so it's a great, great release <laughs> overall. And our thanks to Movie Time for providing March of the Penguins on HD DVD for review. And that wraps up our high-definition reviews for this week. <laughs> Made by enthusiasts. 
for enthusiasts. Wow, a free movie, thanks. This is the AV Podcast. This week's roundtable discussion. So we move on to this week's roundtable, and the subject we are discussing is the whole video nasty debacle from back in the early 80s. Now, this was a suggestion from Soundwave for a discussion, so hopefully we will do it some justice this week. On the panel is Chris McAnini, Kaz Harlow, Simon Crust, and Seth Gecko. So, just to kick things off, Chris, do you have any interesting stories surrounding Video Nasties? I do have a, a few, yeah. I was a, a big, big fan of Video Nasties at the time. Anyone who lived through that period, uh, they got their first video player, they would, um, if you're a lad especially, your wish list seemed to comprise of the, uh, the DPP list of banned movies, most of them being inordinate crap, basically, but you had to have them, didn't you? You searched high and low for these things. Well, I amassed quite a collection of these, to be honest. In fact, virtually everything that was on that list. And I would often make my own even more lurid boxes for them. That were Google that I was. And I'd ha- I would have them in private place in the living room for the mum and dad. Who knew that these things were banned? But it didn't bother me. It didn't bother us because we were a gun-toting family of rednecks. Um, and that's not actually a lie because this was pre-Hungerford days. Uh, my father was a member of a firearms club. Um, he was actually a pistol and rifle champion. And uh, I was born and bred into a household with guns, basically. At this day and age, you could actually have weapons on your father's firearm certificate. And I had an M16 and, yes, the Vietnam archetypal you know, submachine gun and assault rifle, I should say. And I had a 357 Magnum as well. Great, great weapon, incidentally. And we used to go down the club and fire these things off quite a lot. And I had a great time doing it as well. And uh, the police would often come round to our house all above board to make sure that weapons were all in they, they, they were locked up properly our ammunition was stored separately and just to check that we had nothing that shouldn't be on our firearm certificates and one particular time they came round had their tea and biscuits and I was sitting there in my army fatigues playing with my 357 Magnum as you do after doing your homework and beside me was my M16 and on the shelves bold as brass was the evil dead house by the cemetery um, zombie Flesh Eaters, Suspiria, a lot of things, the Beyond, you know, they were all uh, bold as brass and twice as gory. And the cops, bizarrely enough, as it seems now, didn't bat an eyelid to the fact that a 14-year-old boy had weapons and knew how to use them and was quite proud of them. But their eyes were certainly drawn to my video collection. Oh my God, when he stormed over and picked up the Evil Dead, I thought, oh no, because I knew they were banned. I mean, that's why I had them. And uh, they were illegal. People were being arrested. Shops were being closed down. I mean, we all remember the uh, the, the, the bizarre fracas that was, you know, instigated by the tabloids and the, the Daily Mirror in particular, which instigated the whole thing. Um, and I thought, oh, don't argue. I've got a gun in my hand. You know, let me keep the film for God's sake. And uh, I even had the American NTSC version of uh, the Dawn of the Dead, and I'd written all over it, totally uncut, not like the UK version. Ah, and he read that as well. He was very impressed. He said, I've got The Evil Dead. It's a great film. And uh, But yeah, it just seems very bizarre to me that at the time, there'd be more eyebrows raised at the fact that I had video nasties than the fact that I actually had weapons in the house. So that's a little a little um, tidbit there about <laughs> the bizarre helter-skelter days of the video nasties. Moving on, Simon, what were your memories of the whole video nasty thing? Yeah... It was completely insane, wasn't it? Um, I was about Chris's age. I was uh, 14, 15 at the time when it all started happening. Um, 1984, I believe, was when the uh, video nasty 
Uh, that, there was a Daily Mail, wasn't it, that coined the phrase video nasty. Yeah. Um, videos had just started coming out, um, video players. I had a oh, great big JVC thing with huge um, buttons on the front, and I also had a Betamax video as well. I used to uh, slip down the uh, down the road in Surbiton where I used to live at the time, going to the Ritz video store there, and I used to I just used to love the video stores, and I'd pick up anything and everything at the time because there was no regulation. It was a wonderful time for for film enthusiasts because there with no home regulation, you'd, things were still cut at the cinema. Um, we had the lovely X certificate, which I love the X certificate. Oh, fantastic! But of course, you couldn't get in. But uh, on the unregulated home video market, you could get just about anything. And generally speaking, um, there were better versions. They were the uncut versions that you could get from the video store. Um, and it was just a glorious time. A glorious, glorious <laughs> time. Until the... Uh, it was the police. And then, uh, what was it? Mary Whitehouse and, uh, and her cronies and various other people um, come along and said, No, you can't watch these. We don't like them, so you can't see them, which is pretty much their um Yes, the culture police. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty much culture police. They said, right, you we we don't like these. They're not suitable. They're gonna be banned under the um obscene publications act nineteen fifty yeah. which is still used to this day, can you believe? Which states that um you mustn't deprive and corrupt. <laughs> How do you deprive mm. and corrupt something? And the way the bill was passed, I think, is absolutely hilarious. Um <laughs> they they what 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 was it? I can't remember the name of the guy. Um, he was a um, the censor. No, no, not the censor. That was James Firm at the time, wasn't it? The um... who actually had quite a, a, a not a fondness, but he he wasn't as harsh as everyone makes him out to be. He was he had to toe the um, the hard line because he was ordered to, but he actually didn't want to be banning and cutting these things left, right, and centre. It was um, Conservative MP Graham Bright. That's the guy. He was the bright. He was the person who brought in. A video of cut scenes of all the worst parts of all the video nasties and he played it to the House of Commons in around 1983 before the bill was passed and it was based on that and their whole point was um, we want these videos banned because people can sit and watch these nasty bits backwards and forwards at time at, at their leisure and that's exactly what he was doing to get the bill passed <laughs> yeah. hey, how mad is that yeah. <laughs> But he was right, though. That's that's what we were doing as well. <laughs> <laughs> so but the, uh, we, we we have got to be honest, though, because most of those films, uh, as I'm sure you'll you'll agree, were, were a load of rubbish. Oh, they the, were um, rubbish. The effects were terrible, but they they gained notoriety. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, a lot of teenage boys got grew an interest in what would otherwise be regarded as art house films, i.e., they were Italian, and um, like people like Dario Argento, uh, mm -hmm. Lucio. Is it Fulci or Fulci? I've pronounced it both ways in my time. Fulci. Um, I mean, a hack director, but boy, did he have some style. I mean, using awful for um, the effects and stuff like. And really, that guy was like the the god of gore for me. Things like zombie flesh eaters. They may be naff naff movies, but God, just re no, revel revel in the entrails. Well, it's got Al Cliver in it, mate. He can't act to save his life. Oh it's got yeah. And it's it's got the guy from Take the High Road. Come on now. <laughs> Ian McMurray. Ian Oh yeah. Mc yeah. What's his name? Oh hang on, I've got it behind me here somewhere. I've got to I've got to find it before me. But it had that great scene, didn't it? The ice splinter scene, which is still cut yeah. to this day. Well Even not now you can't not get if it you've got country. your glorious twenty fifth anniversary special edition of what are they classed as Zombie Two at the time. Well yeah, but that's not in this country, is it? You can uh, get that. No. I mean my 
But I mean, at, at the time, at the time of the video nasties, I mean, you could get this, the full uncut one because it was out in two versions, which happened with a lot of movies at that time. They had the um, the cut down theatrical version, and they had particularly in Zombie Zombie Flesh, does a case, great big gory star on the front of it with you know strong uncut version. <laughs> and wow, did that blow me away! I mean, to, to this day, there's effects in there which still disturb me. Mm-hmm. You've got the um, the I don't know what her name is now, but um, the gorgeous skinny dipping diver who uh, who one of us encountered with the uh, the zombie underwater. <laughs> yeah. Well, when she gets her throat torn out, my yep. God! I mean, looking at it now, yeah, it's the stringy latex, but look at the, the gallons of blood gurgling out of there. My God, that was just stomach churning, but great. <laughs> And the look of the zombies themselves, maggot-ridden, pus-filled things. Only the Italians could do this. George Romero was doing nothing of that kind of style. Here she just had a, a, you know, an undercoat of green or blue emulsion and a few stick-on Savini effects, prosthetics-wise. But these guys looked like they'd just come out of the ground and had been there for like you know, you know, decades. They were rotten to the core. And there's such a, a sort of medieval glee with the effects that Fulci would throw at the screen. Things like uh, House by the Cemetery uh, and the Beyond in particular. Oh, I mean, there's just stuff in that which just blows you away. Um, what, what was it? The oh, yeah, um, the Beyond is is an absolutely great one. Look at the uh, the, the maggot-ridden things in that. The 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 guy in the, uh, the, the 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 plumber who comes to help in the hotel and ends up with his head plunged against the big massive nail back on. The, there's always things plunging through craniums in Fulci movies. You noticed. If it isn't if it isn't wooden splinters, it's nails or things, and mm-hmm. or, or knives spiked jaggly through someone's eyeball, all very nasty stuff. But you know, as I say, at the time it was gleefully you know infectious. Coming home from school, this is how, how sad and depraved is this? Coming home from school at dinner times because I didn't live that far away from your school, where I bring a cluster of mates back around. They'd stick on things like Suspiria, you know, and you know, an Inferno. Uh, loads of like you know nasty nasty gore opuses and uh, then go back to school quite happy in the afternoon having just indulged in something that the uh, the tabloid press would have a field day with so did they we didn't mug anyone though <laughs> what if they didn't deprave and corrupt you then um or, or well the, the, the thing is i mean if you look at the way things have turned now a lot of the video nasties which were banned outright and cut to or cut to bits have obviously now we live in a more open sort of you know uh, movie watching climate because they're all coming out again aren't they they're all out on DVD they're all out Pretty on special much. editions um, some of them still still get to be cut I mean reprehensible garbage like Last House on the Left yes Wes Craven made it but I, I don't see any merit in that film whatsoever because the, the revenge of the family at the end is nowhere near as gratuitous or nasty as it should have been <laughs> I mean to have done what they did to those girls uh, mm-hmm. anyone can sit for that film I would have questions to ask them because I can't sit through it to this day. It made me sick when I was a kid. It makes me even sicker now thinking about it. Uh, last, I've done that one. Um, I spit on your grave again. What the hell is the point of that movie? That is just to, it is total exploitation. Yes, and I've got nothing wrong with exploitation movies, but I don't like seeing women being brutalized and raped. That is the crux of the, of the whole movie. If it's in the context of you know. Things like Irreversible, well, it be, that becomes, the event in that is even greater and more, uh, I don't know, it's more dramatic and it's 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 more necessary. But in, <laughs> my little daughter screaming there, I hope, <laughs> I hope it doesn't put anybody off. Um, <laughs> she's heard what her daddy's talking about, oh no. <laughs> so a cor- corrupting mine is there. <laughs> but uh, 
things like Ice Piss in Your Grave, no. Terrible, crass, and ridiculously cheap, and should not have been seen. <laughs> but again, should it be banned outright? Well, I don't know. The fact that they banned it made it, you know, people wanted to see it then, didn't they? They would actively seek it out like I did. SS Experiment Camp, all the, the plethora of mm-hmm. sexually depraved movies that were out there, which you would never have looked at. You know, all of a sudden you sort them out and you watch them and, you know, <laughs> who's to say some people didn't get damaged by watching things like that. It just made me appreciate better films all the more and maybe try to steer it clear of um, the, the naff ones that were out there. So moving on, we've got um, Kaz and uh, Seth. So you guys, did you go out and um, seek these films that had been banned and... Did you go and get them on Laserdisc or video or, or DVD at later dates? Well, I actually uh, came into this the whole Video Nazis thing at a, a much later stage. I missed the initial bout of banned movies. Um, but I can relate to the idea of you know, when you're young, catching upon something that is gory and visceral and um, you shouldn't really be watching because you're below the age rating and uh, and watching it repeatedly. I remember when I was about, I think I must have been 14 and um, it was the release of Die Hard on video and at my school, which I shall not name for obvious reasons, they decided to show it to our entire year as a Christmas present. <laughs> and uh, I was actually disappointed because the choice was Die Hard or Robocop. I hadn't seen either, and they were going to show us Die Hard, and I wanted to see Robocop. But still, we got shown Die Hard, and they used words that I cannot use on this podcast repeatedly throughout this movie, and bashed heads against walls and poles, and I loved it. I wanted to, yeah, watch it again and learn how to do that kind of stuff for a living. It was absolutely <laughs> tremendous. Um, and later on, I did get to see Robocop, borrowed a copy, the dodgiest copy in the world of a friend, off a friend of mine. And uh, you could barely see anything, but I still proceeded to watch it about 18 times. Most notably, him getting shot up at the beginning, and uh, him, the guy walking through the acid, and uh, just, just ridiculous things. Just never seen them before. I was just a kid. Uh, I was brought up on Thunderbirds, and I'm watching people's heads come off when get, getting hit by cars, and uh, people getting spikes plunged into their necks. And yeah, everything a grown boy needs. Completely relate to the idea of being a kid. Yeah, what well, seem to watch that kind of stuff. And as you can see, you know, it hasn't had any effect on me whatsoever. Um, but I unfortunately missed out the official video nasty era. And looking back on it, um, I, I, I think that there. I don't think there's a reason necessary to, to ban some of these movies, but I think there are plenty of movies I, I can't see why they were ever made. I, I hate Hostel, and it's not really even the fact that it's gory. I've seen gory and more heinous things, but it's the fact that it's such a insipid, tasteless movie, pointless movie, um, and it does just make me sick. And I've seen worse things. It's just things like that. I, I wonder why I ever let myself waste an hour and a half on them. Have I seen any of the original video nasties? Yeah. Um, the, looking through a, an immense list, I can only come up with Shogun Assassin, and uh, that was fairly recently I watched that. The whole Sh- Star Wars Assassin Cart series, I assume that was. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's, it, like yeah. A, it's like a greatest hits, isn't it? It's a compilation of all the best bits of the uh, Baby Cart and Lone Wolf movies. Yeah. Right, I, thought it was the, I thought it was just the first one. No, it's, it's the first two at least, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's the it's first two, because you've got the Deathmasters in there as well. Mm-hmm. And that was a se- definitely a separate movie. It's just a, a glorified 
uh, gory greatest hits sets a really funky 80s synth, you know synthesized soundtrack it was again it was, it was a big hit at the time it was a big hit yeah but there was nothing in that film particularly to to see why it was banned well, this I, is the I, I, whole... No, I'll tell you what, it was, it was because of the kid, wasn't it? The violence in, in front of the kid. That was why it was banned. Maybe, but the simple fact is that at the time, anything that was deemed as violent or overly violent or overly gory was going to be seized upon, wasn't it? Certain yeah. things slipped through the net all the time. In fact, do you know the most bizarre thing is that Suspiria never seemed to arrive on anyone's list. On, and the UK had it fully uncut, whereas the rest of the world um, suffered lots and lots of sensorial cuts to it. Uh, of course, then we had uh, tried to bring in like another um, horrible gun um, tragedy. It was Dunblane, uh, which then brought because a new batch of Suspiria and a lot of mo other movies were being re-released again um, to buy, and they were all cut down. And it was again, it was a direct result of the of what the media mm -hmm. and the people in power seemed to think the correlation between um, watching violent deeds and then going out and you know perpetrating them. Um, and you know, Never understood that. well, the, the the thing is, I, I've said it, I've said it before. I'm Gemini, and I see both sides of every argument, which is trouble in my house because I end up conceding to the wife all the time. But um, the the point is, uh, certainly, I do believe that some people will get off on watching this sort of thing and will possibly go out to you know try to. But then again, they would do that. They find the anyway. trigger a trigger thing with something else as well. If it wasn't a movie, it'd be a book. If it wasn't a book, it'd be a theatre show, it'd be an advert, it'd be something in a comic book. They would find mm -hmm. the catalyst to make them go and do it, regardless. But it's it's handy for the media and it's handy for the people in power to seize upon escape you know, escape ghosts. And the knee-jet reaction is always, always movies. It is. And and yeah. the fact that you can watch them at home. DVDs, videos, you know, that's it. Um and as I say, a lot of these things are getting re-released now, but they're not getting released uncut, though. Things like Maniac have sneaked out again, haven't they? And uh, Last House on the Left got released a couple of years ago. But uh, again, it was trimmed down. Yeah, it uh, was trimmed down here, but not... Um, yeah, again, it's, it's, the, it's the UK that gets... It's the UK that gets the short end of the stick, as it were. Well, yeah, if you actively really want to seek these films out, of course you can still get them. The, yeah. the whole censorship debate is is almost non-plus now, isn't it? Because you can yeah. get these films from the internet. Well, it, it makes the, um, the the really sickos out there possibly more dedicated because because you know that's <laughs> they, the one way that's one way of perceiving it. Well, okay, you know well, we've cut it a bit, so if you've gone and pursued it from another country, that makes you even more of a sicko. You've actually premeditated all this, and you've you know put into practice importation. <laughs> you know, I don't know, it's it's bizarre. So, guys, there was seventy-four films on the original DPP list. We've all sat before this roundtable and gone through those lists. Let's start with Seth and work our way through. Um, Seth, how many of those films have you actually seen that were on the the original banned list? I've actually only seen a handful. Um, the obvious ones, unfortunately, things like Driller Killer, which was garbage, Evil Dead, which is... It's a classic, but I prefer the second one, to be honest. Um, I Spit in Your Grave, which is garbage, and The Last House on the Left, which I mean, Chris has already mentioned, basically. Um, and that's... I don't know. I, I don't think it's as bad as he makes out, but that's personal opinion. What about you, Cairns? How many on that list have, have you seen, or do you own... Um, I actually, I haven't seen any of these. I've, I've seen, um, I got Shogun Assassin and uh, watched most of it, 
but I can't really qualify it as having seen it because I barely remember it and it was in a horrendous aspect ratio that I don't believe actually exists so I think that it must have been it must have been produced for DVD in the worst possible format it looks something like uh, 3 to 1 aspect ratio um, so I, I don't class that as having watched the movie and I certainly didn't enjoy it uh, I, I have to say I've never taken the time out to revisit these they were possibly before my time uh, admittedly only slightly but I never took the time out to revisit them because there were plenty of movies from the 80s which could satisfy perhaps my desire for all things violent or nasty or you can't watch that and um, so I just saw those instead but yeah I haven't, I haven't seen many of these and I certainly don't own any of them Moving on to Simon Okay, I've got, uh, oh, I've seen 39 of the uh, of the list and owned the 39 because that's the only way you could get to see them at the time. Um, we were talking about memorabilia last week, and I used to, and I got all of these films from the memorabilia fairs. Um, <laughs> the uh, and they're all on video, of course, at the time, and they were all mostly terrible quality, but they were originals. They were original DVDs rather than the, the copies that seem to crop up here and around and everywhere. Um, and the reason I used to buy them was because they were banned. It's very silly, really, because most of them are so, so naff. And what about you, Chris? Well, it's easier for me to say the ones I haven't actually seen, and there's only about three or four of those. Um, things like I Miss You, Hugs and Kisses, I've, I've never seen that. I had heard of it, but I don't even know why it was banned or what it's about. Um, some of the weird, obscure things, I think Expose, which was actually a sex movie, um, I, I never saw that, I never had that one. Love Camp Seven. I never saw that again because I heard it was just it was just sex. Basically, it wasn't anything gory about it. But the rest, I all actually I've seen and I owned as well. Um, and there's uh, <laughs> amidst all the um, rubbish, the heaps of rubbish and cheap, nasty cack that is on that list, which aren't worth seeing. So anyone who's got the list, don't bother seeking them out because they're mostly rubbish. Um, thing, if you want go things like Absurd and the first two, Absurd and Anthropophagous Beast, how do you pronounce that, um, were exceptionally nasty. I mean, <laughs> Anthropophagous Beast actually has um, an unborn fetus ripped from a woman's womb uh, and then eaten before her very eyes. It, it's truly, not particularly realistic, but my God, there's some imagination gone into some of these things. Full Sea stuff is great. The Beyond, House by the Cemetery, Zombie Fletchers, yeah, we've covered those, they're great. Other good movies, Dead and Buried. Uh, why was that banned? You know, fabulous um, effects there, Tom Berman's effects there, and, you know, it was a great, great movie. It's a good little thriller. It's not that nasty at all. You've got the uh, the Cannibal movies there, which, again, very, very nasty indeed, and, of course, they're infamous because they feature real-life um, torture and uh, destruction of animals basically and it's yeah they're not they're not worth looking at at all for that very reason I, I don't like that there's a film there called Island of Death which oh my god what a bit it's set on a Greek island I don't know <laughs> what the point of it was but one horrific murder in that was someone who has paint poured down poured into their open mouth until they drown in paint yep. it's hit because the camera lingers on it for ages and it's just well I remember being disappointed because it wasn't gory at the time. Get, get on to that. It's one of the most hideous deaths I've ever seen. But it didn't have any blood, so it was rubbish at the time. Um, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, that's a classic, classic movie. Uh, George Grau's movie, uh, it's a Franco-Italian-Spanish co-production set in the Lake District, not even Manchester. 
and it's absolutely brilliant. 1974, very, very nasty movie. Good effects for their day as well, um, and quite scary too. This is a film where zombies aren't normally frightening creatures, aren't they? But they, boy, there's one, there's one particular zombie in this which is terrifying to behold. Great film, and you can get it now, and it's it's it says here re-released uncut in 2002. Actually, it is slightly shaved of a second or two, but hey, you know, what's a second or two between friends? Um, Tenebrae. Uh, Dario Argento, again, an absolute classic. Very nasty indeed, but you know that's a competently made movie. Some of these movies sort of leap out from the other list because they're not naff. They're not cheapo things like Driller Killer, which just all they had going for that was a lurid cover of the drill, not too convincing drill, which was actually just a paint gun squirting paint on someone's forehead, um, and and is the only gory bit in in the entire movie. Uh, and Extra, anyone remember that one? Oh yes. Somebody Davenport made it. A really, really bizarre movie. Um, it says re-released on cut in '87. Well, that, to my knowledge, there's actually three different versions of that movie. So I've only got the one that was well. Again, it's on lowly VHS, um, which came out back way back when, you know. And uh, it was particularly bizarre. Not all that nasty. I don't remember it being nasty, but you know. No, again, this is this is the the whole thing about why they picked on certain films. And um, possibly in Extra's case, because it had an alien rape taking place. Speaking of alien rape, anyone remember in Seminoid? Of course. Is that here? That's not on no, this no, there, is it? No, and that was me. that was particularly wicked in, our, <laughs> in a lot of places. Um, yeah, the burning. Now there's an absolute. Well, if you like Forest Stalk and Slash of the Friday the 13th sort of ilk, the burning, Tom Savini's effects. Again, like Flesh Eaters, that came out on two different versions. You had. The, un- the cut one and the uncut one, and uh, if you managed to pick up the uncut one, it was my god. There was some. Uh, I remember the fingers being snipped with a pair of garden shears. Mm-hmm. Oh dearie me, that was nasty. Um, <laughs> but a great film because it was scary as well. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. So I so, mean, we we could probably take all night, guys. Um, well, certainly Chris could take all night discussing um, these films and and your wealth of knowledge of the video nasties and the fact that it used to be a firearms owner. Doesn't make you scary in the slightest little bit. But to, I've only got I've only got a pea shooter now though. But to um, <laughs> but to to wrap up for the evening, um, I guess what this whole discussion comes down to is governmental uh, censorship, and I think uh, buyers of of films nowadays and film fans are a lot um, they're a lot more. Um, what's the word up to date with where to go and, and find the material they want to find, and of course the internet helps us uh, find these films if if we have a particular urge to go and watch them. But I guess the whole thing comes down to censorship. And, and do you think that um, after this debacle in the early 80s, things have gotten any better these days? Oh, I think so. Yeah, the um, the whole opening up of the... Uh, well, it's actually when James Furman left, wasn't it? When he left the BBFC. Um, and it was all opened up and they weren't a clothes shop anymore. Um, they're trying to make everything... Um, more voluntary, voluntary um, uh, classification, isn't it? Like the 12A, for example, certificate. Um, and for that, it can only be a good thing. They're trying not to cut things, not to ban things. Perhaps they are living, um, living proof that uh, if you ban something, it becomes more popular, and they're trying to stop all that. That's it. You drive it underground, it just becomes mm-hmm. um, a, a cult, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it just lo- takes the next atrocity or tragedy on British shores... To, uh, to provoke it, it's happening all over again. I mean, look at the uh, the stuff with 
poor little Jamie Bulger and all of a sudden Child's Play and a lot of other movies were lifted again. It'll only take that to happen again or, or something as nasty as that and the whole thing will kick off yet again. Um, although I don't think it would have such a dramatic effect because as Phil, you've already mentioned, people can get these things very, very easily now. So its actual far-reaching effect wouldn't be um, as extreme. But again, the tabloids would take it and run with it, and you know you'd have a it'd be, it'd be another witch hunt again. It'll happen. I know it will. Seth, anything you want to say to round up? No, I think that probably it's gotten a lot more lenient in uh, recent times. I mean, a lot of the, the video nasties have come out um, as I have a slightly cut versions. Um, I think out of the entire band list, there's something like about twelve left, isn't there? Yeah. Is 14 that... 14 yeah it's not many it's 27 have been released with cuts um, 32 have been released uncut and one has actually been released with extra footage so um, yeah it's definitely got more lenient but I think that uh, people are, you know directors etc are pushing the envelope even more so so uh, what was regarded as really obscene and nasty then is pretty much sort of Tom and Jerry in about 20 years time I suppose um it, it's it's pretty tame um, in some instances, but uh, yeah, I think generally there's a lot more lenient, um, certainly in, in recent memory. Um, it's just a shame they won't censor the movies that are just absolutely dire as opposed to the ones that are bloody. Well, uh, thanks to uh, Soundwave for bringing this subject to the round table. Um, hopefully we've done it a little bit of justice tonight. And uh, if you have any suggestions for further movie roundtables, then send us an email to help at avpodcast.co.uk and we'll try to cover them in the coming weeks. And I guess this subject also raises the issues of censorship and so on, so that'll be another subject for uh, uh, maybe a couple of weeks' time. We'll, we'll maybe go into depth on that one. So all I need to do now is thank Chris McAnini, Kaz Harlow, Simon Crust and Seth Gecko. And that's been our roundtable for this week's Movies Podcast. For more DVD news and reviews, visit avplay.com. And that's all we have time for for this week's Movies Podcast. Don't forget, if you'd like to send us an email, either with queries, comments or your questions, then please send them to help at avpodcast.co.uk. And we'll see you again at the same time for more movie talk next week. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Play review team were Chris McAnini, Cass Harlow, Simon Crust and Seth Gecko. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content including sound clips and music is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.